Welcome, welcome to the second episode of Meet the Industry. Now, we're supposed to have guests on the show every once in a while. I mean, who doesn't want to listen to A.R. Rahman talk about his journey to the Oscars or ask Asha Bhosle how she made it from Sangli to Bollywood? The legends in this industry have too much wisdom lying around, but they can't start podcasts at this age, so the obligation obviously falls upon people like me. So on that account, I decided to invite someone to the show for this episode. I don't know him that well, but he's one of those nice and helpful people in the industry. So he gladly accepted my invitation. So this guy is a music producer from Bengaluru. And when it comes to dance music, he's kind of a legend in the making. He's been playing all over the country for like five years now even some festivals in Europe and next year he's playing at a festival in Canada as well. So he's already kind of a big deal here. If you attend a lot of underground parties, then you must have heard the name Ocean Tide. And if you haven't, then please go to SoundCloud and check him out. He's a killer producer, has played uh, the first boiler room party that happened in India, in Bombay, and even got selected to attend the legendary Red Bull Music Academy workshop. I'm talking about none other than Mr. Ketan Bahirat, aka Ocean Tide, and he is one hell of an electronic music producer. By the way, I might not be entirely serious about A.R. Rahman or Asha Bhosle, but I'm kind of hopeful because why not? So Ketan and I started speaking about how he got into producing music from being a guitarist in this band called Until We Last. I just want to say that at the beginning of every artist's career, there's some sort of a vision. And this episode is all about the vision because it's important to have one and keep track of it too. We're not talking about eyesight here. We're talking about the ability to think about or plan the future with imagination. Sounds heavy, but it could be as simple as making an album or conceiving an idea for a countrywide tour. This vision is what drives the artist and I can talk about all that introspective crap but in a nutshell, I just want to say that it is of supreme importance to have vision but the challenge is to keep it awfully realistic so that you can act upon it. So keep this in mind and now let's get into this conversation I had with Ketan. Hi Ketan, welcome to Meet the Industry. It's great to have you. Hey man, uh, great to be on board and talk to you about whatever we're going to talk about for the next, like, I don't know how long. But yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. so uh, let's just uh, start by talking about who you are, what you do, and yeah. uh, what you've been up to currently. Okay, uh, I'm, I mean, I make music under Ocean Tide as of now. That's kind of like my electronic music alias. Right. Uh, for the last five years, I would say. Okay. And uh, yeah, I mean, I've been releasing music uh, in spurts over the last five years. And uh, I've been DJing a lot over the last two years, I would say, two to three years. 
um so yeah that's who i am and that's what i'm up to as of now at least and uh, so before you got uh, into djing uh, full time like you were a part of this band called until we last yeah yeah was that something that you were doing for the first 3 years when you got into uh, making music um actually uh, until we last was kind of act- uh, like a bedroom project initially like kind of like me producing as ocean tide right now okay uh, so i used to write music uh, like write post rock music pretty much and ambient music as well um and just record kind of like my guitar and make all these sketches and okay uh, yeah just write music as until we last at that point i think that was like 2011 and uh i wanted to i wanted to kind of make a band around it and uh yeah. find people that i could write music with so yeah until we last was a pro- like a full fledged band for 4 or 5 years pretty much oh and yeah we, yeah yeah played a bunch of shows uh locally oh uh, yeah we used to play uh, like a lot of college gigs at that point right. and then uh like later we started getting into the festival scene as well like we played the weekend a couple of times in pune in bangalore we played magnetic fields first year as well actually oh nice i didn't uh, know they had like uh, bands in the beginning like uh, uh, rock bands and all yeah i mean like i actually grew up in that space uh, like i used to play for a few metal bands in bangalore uh, that i mean i used to play the guitar for them and uh yeah i just i think i just grew into that a lot cuz especially at the time bangalore used to have a lot of metal and rock bands yeah, yeah i remember uh bangalore used to have an amazing rock and metal community back in the day yeah it was huge dude honestly i i miss that community vibe right now you know like because back in the day uh a lot of the bands would meet pretty much like every weekend and play stuff like sunday jam and freedom jam uh at least once a month if not every other weekend hmm. uh so yeah it was like a huge community and yeah it was great dude like i kind of missed that uh so yeah i used to be in that and then until we last happened and yeah <laughs> that's nice. pretty much like the roots cool so uh what i want to know now is that uh your journey from until we last to ocean tide must have taken some time to evolve and uh you must have had some kind of a vision at that point even though you weren't probably heavily into electronic music production or even djing for that matter because i know that yeah. uh, a lot of us at least me uh, i started off as being a dj first and then i got into production and okay defining what i want to do as an artist so for you being in a, a part of a band for 4 or 5 years uh yeah. then deciding to take up uh, a solo project like ocean tide uh, mm. and being a full-fledged producer on your own means like composing writing everything on your own and making it the finished product by yourself what was the process like and what did you have in mind when you had this thought um honestly like when i was doing until we last uh, it was kind of just me recording at home right initially like that's how i actually got into production because i always wanted to record the music that i was making and um you know even even at that time it was kind of like the starting of my production journey so um 
Yeah, I mean, while I was doing that, I was also making a lot of the electronic parts for until we lost. So we would have like just ambient pads or like, you know, some breakdowns where there would be like glitchy electronic stuff happening in the background. And we used to play that live as well. Um, and that was kind of influenced by a few other Bangalore bands like the Bicycle Days and Lounge Piranha and stuff. They used to do stuff like that where they would literally have like a person playing parts out of a laptop. So I also wanted to get into that. So, I mean, that production journey and electronic music has always been there, but it was more like dormant. And uh, Ocean Tide honestly happened because of like consequences of the band not really performing as much anymore. And um, at that point, like uh, when the band was not really active towards the end of the journey for Until We Last, uh, I was like, you know, I need to still do my own thing. I need, right. I need to still be able to release my own music because right. at that time, uh, I didn't want to be like a full-time musician or anything, but I definitely wanted to give it a shot and, you know, put out as much music as I could. So right. uh, Ocean Tide kind of began at that time. And uh, the project initially, like my vision was to just release as much like electronic music as I could because... Uh, by then, I'd already been making a lot of uh, music on Ableton or Fruity Loops or whatever. And yeah, I just wanted to be okay. able to so put it out. You thought that you were ready to uh, be Ocean Tide. Uh, yeah. Your vision was to release music. And at that time, uh, I'm assuming you weren't playing any DJ gigs, right? I was, yeah, no, I wasn't actually. I, I picked up DJing, like, I'd say one and a half years into Ocean Tide existing. Okay. Um, you know, like, I, I mean, I knew how to DJ. It wasn't like, uh, it was. I was completely new to it. Like, I had the idea of playlisting and, like, kind of setting moods and stuff like that. But, um, yeah, like, seriously practicing it and developing it was one and a half years into Ocean Tide, for sure. Okay. So, uh, when you started making music, uh, did you, uh, like go to someone for learning or were you just finding uh, tutorials online and teaching yourself? Uh, when I initially started learning anything related to music, I actually studied Hindustani classical music. And oh, yeah. I was, yeah, that was like in the sixth grade. So like I was quite, not young, young, but whatever. I was growing up right. and uh, I initially started learning how to sing. Like that was my first thing. Mm-hmm. And, uh, like I did that for one and a half years and then I I was gifted a guitar by my dad. <laughs> and uh, yeah, that's when I kind of stopped singing and like doing a lot of the Hindustani stuff, honestly. Right. And um, yeah, but that was still my base. How did you get uh, around operating on a digital audio workstation? Uh, in the beginning, I think it could be very daunting to just open this piece of software which, which has like so much capability. And yeah. it's kind of possible to get lost while trying to figure out what you want to do because at that point you want to make music so you have ideas in your head but uh, you're just like trying to figure out how everything's done so was it was it Uh, like a sorry yeah it was youtube mainly like uh it was mainly youtube that like helped me kind of learn how everything works and also a couple of friends around me at that at the time when uh, i was playing in a few other bands right so 
you know, like we would sit on Cubase and try to program drums on Drumkit from Hell, <laughs> and uh, like you know, make make a track basically. You just record the guitar and record the drums, and then like I slowly kind of got the hang of how to record music. Yeah, and... your exposure into music and uh, your uh, circle with the musicians was quite instrumental in you. Oh, for sure. Pick up these things. Oh, for sure, dude. Yeah, like uh, doing these things, one thing or the other, making music or recording or just putting down ideas on the door. Yeah, because uh, it was like basically down to all my friends also being into this kind of stuff at the same time. Right. And uh, we were just like on that journey together to record our music and learn it. So it was all organic. I never went to a school or anything, right. and like I feel like that kind of helped in creating my own sound in a way because. Yeah, uh you know i didn't learn like the usual techniques that someone might learn and then but i'm learning that stuff now you know like cuz yeah. i've gone to a point where i want to get way more technical at things and like cuz my skills have developed in production but i want to get better at it and like you know know some of the industry standards for example yeah so um yeah like now i'm on that journey to like kind of technically get better and right. you know like really develop the skill So, at what point did you uh, come across RBMA, and how was uh, how did that help you as a musician? Help you grow as a musician? Uh, RBMA was like probably one of the most single, like single defining moments I would say in the last few years. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd I'd always been kind of consuming their content. through uh, Red Bull Music Academy daily and the lectures that would get uploaded on YouTube uh so it was kind of like a pipe dream to be selected to go to the academy right. and uh, a few times I'd written down the huge form and I never sent it in and uh the year that I did send it in I actually just got in and it was mind blowing honestly uh so like getting there was really like ocean tide when you got in Yeah, I was. Yeah, I I was. I think that was 2016, the year that I went. So, okay. um, I was already like a a couple of years into Ocean Tide, I would say. Mm-hmm. Like, um, yeah. So, I mean, RBMA is amazing, dude. Like, it's hard to explain because there's uh, producers and that uh, like the environment you get to be in. Yeah. and it it was like kind of an upgrade to the environment you were in in bangalore with all the musician friends around you and uh, i don't know if it's an upgrade it's just you know like it's a different experience cuz you're in a space where there's people from all around the world who've probably been through like similar things as you but in a different way and some of the places that these people are from might have like super developed scenes or they might not have a scene at all you know So it's kind of like the amalgamation of all those people in one place and obviously yeah. like your mentors are like people in the industry and who've been there for like a long time and some of the lecturers were huge like you know people like the Black Madonna over there and right. I mean like the list can go on like you, yeah. you know like everyone in the industry is kind of there in a way so yeah it's 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 mind blowing honestly Nice. So uh, you had uh, what a year? I mean, sorry. Uh, how how long were you in the academy? Uh, oh, so, I mean, RBMA basically just happens for two weeks. So, okay. uh, like the whole academy itself is pretty much just like 
uh, a ba- like two batches and okay. each batch lasts two weeks or so so okay. yeah i was there just for two weeks but uh, those two weeks were very instrumental because right. you know i got to meet a lot of people and i got to learn a lot of new things and just the exposure was huge so nice yeah. so when you came back uh was there a, a better vision that you had in mind of what you wanted to do or how you wanted to proceed with your uh your process of being ocean tide and releasing music like you said yeah i think when i came back the biggest change was that i wanted to give music uh like a real shot you know i mm-hmm. could i i kind of believed in myself more after i went there that you know maybe i can be successful in putting out music and uh yeah what uh, uh helped you give that confidence uh from your experience like what did you feel so strongly that you felt like okay now you can really pursue this full time i think it was just the fact that i got more confident firstly getting selected for the academy right. is a big deal yeah. Yeah. and uh, also just being around people who were already successful and them kind of spurring you on and like giving you motivation to come back to your hometown and right. like just going for it you know like that kind of attitude set in when i went there and yeah like for example like i i got to sit next to mike banks from underground resistance at breakfast once and <laughs> i mean like honestly you would have never imagined something like that in your whole life right like sitting next to mike banks yeah but um like he told me that he heard some of the stuff that i was doing and like he thought that my beats had soul and like when someone like that tells you something like yeah some, something yeah. so meaningful you know uh, you're going to want to be able to do more and go for it and sure yeah so like a lot of experiences like that you know that really pushed me yeah and uh, so like once you were back you were more driven to do things uh, release more music and i'm sure by then you were already playing a few gigs uh, yeah with crunk so yeah crunk started managing me in the same year that i got selected for the academy actually oh okay uh, like a few months before that um so yeah i mean like crunk has always been there to help me get that exposure and like kind of get me gigs to you know showcase myself right. and uh yeah i mean i had been playing gigs before crunk as well Mm-hmm. um but those gigs were primarily uh live sets that i used to do as ocean tide right and uh it was it wasn't very constant gigging you know i wasn't playing as many gigs so yeah. obviously getting signed to an agency like a booking agency uh helps with that so yeah i mean speaking about signing the agency i think that's uh, one of the first steps in towards uh, you know advancing your career as a musician and a turning point for any upcoming artist right so uh, were you actively looking to join an agency or a slash a manager to uh, help you create these opportunities for you not really man honestly with ocean tide at the time i was just doing my thing you know Mm-hmm. and uh i was lucky enough to get interest from a couple of agencies in india and in the end i kind of felt that crunk matched my vision okay um and that's kind of when i signed up uh for that contract so right uh like honestly so you had like a clear vision in your mind and yeah. 
then it was Krunk who you spoke to and felt connected to. Yeah, I mean, they got in touch with me and they were also interested and, uh, you know, they'd booked me for a couple of gigs before that. So uh, they they also knew what I could bring to the table. And uh, yeah, it's it, it, it becomes a partnership, you know, it's it you should never think that you're yeah. signing to an agency and then they kind of like do everything for you at the end of the day you still have to work hard and gigs never come for no reason like someone's gonna book you because you're bringing something to that gig so uh yeah i think it's important for artists to have their own vision and to work with people who get that vision as well so i think that's what it is with crunk and uh, crunk and me like we both understand like you know what what needs to be done yeah. And yeah, we're just going for it. So nice. So uh, let's talk about the music now. Uh, yeah, you have been. I mean, we've understood your journey right from the beginning up until this point where you have become more confident as an artist. Your yeah. is more clear. You have someone who's ma- looking out for you uh, in terms of bookings and believes. Mm-hmm. You. Now the main thing is the music, right? Because if the music is not there, then none of none of anything else matters. Yeah, for sure. We've just had a new EP come out from your end called On mm. the Floor, What One. And yeah. uh, this sound has not has not been heard from you before. Uh, yeah, I mean, like, honestly, if you've been to my DJ sets, you've heard me play, like, stuff like I've released. For me, uh, DJing and, uh, like, the stuff that I DJ influences mm. the music that I make a lot as well. Because... Okay. Um, you know, I'm I'm making music uh, in relation to my DJ sets. So, like, for a long time, I've been shifting to, you know, sets where I'm usually playing a lot more, like, breaks, a lot more stuff influenced by techno, right. uh, old, you know, Chicago house. And all of that music has always influenced the way I make music. Mm-hmm. So, I feel like every release is... You know, uh, it's influenced by what I'm doing. So, like, at these DJ sets, I'll make music uh, of my own to kind of fit in and play a lot lot of my unreleased music. So, uh, you know, that's where I kind of of test out whether my tracks are working or not and whether I'm enjoying playing out those tracks. So, you know, like, my DJ sets are a good way to kind of a good way for me to test out what's going to come out so that's kind of the idea behind on the floor it's like me uh playing music in my dj sets and figuring out whether that's making people dance making people enjoy themselves and yeah it's just kind of like a collection of those kind of tunes that i've been doing over the last year so uh uh, from what I've read online about on the floor, uh, yeah, you made this music uh, by using some samples that were recorded in Bangalore. If I'm not wrong. Yeah, especially in Luru, you know, like that one track has a lot of like. Uh, so is this the one track that's that's got the Luru sounds? I mean, like I use sounds like locally sourced sounds in all my music. Uh, it's not like specific to a release. Uh, you know, there'll be some tracks which don't have any locally sourced sounds and it's all just like... I was only asking because uh, I thought that maybe this was a theme for your EP. Uh, no, it's just like, it's. I think that's more of like a description to okay. the EP, you know, like it has locally sourced sounds and I think okay. it's an important enough uh, like description to be there because... 
right. at the end of the day like you want to re- represent your city in some way or the other and yeah. uh yeah it's just like using sounds that are around you kind of help in i don't know like portraying yourself better so like for example there's a lot of like you know like vocal chops of people talking on the metro or like you know mm-hmm. industrial sounds that are darshani when you're eating dosa you know like just using those kinds of sounds like in your yeah. music it's just it, yeah. it it became more fun for me so that's that's kind of what i meant and it adds a bit of that abstract element to it and also just like it's better sonically cuz you're using you know like your own sounds and yeah. um it's not always just about the sample packs like honestly i'm a sucker for sample packs and i'm yeah. always collecting sounds so mm-hmm. to kind of get that like organic element of yourself into it it kind of helps also and i think it's a good exercise to have your own samples because i think if you select a certain sample yeah uh, be it from some other someone else's sample pack mm-hmm. or your own sample it means that you kind of resonate with that sample and uh if you have created it you you i think feel a stronger connection to it and somewhere down the road you are going to use it because uh you, you had some at least something in mind when you selected that sample that okay this is this is one sample that i'm going to save and keep yeah, and then sure. the sample which you've not used like you've discarded those ideas so uh i think it gets a bit more personal when you use these samples hmm. and maybe it also uh, adds a bit more meaning to it Yeah I think so too and like um I mean like my production process is always used like primarily sampling and mm-hmm. uh like I like making my music using samples a lot so to kind of add my own flavor to it like it's always nice when I'm recording something and uh yeah like making my own samples as well so Uh, it's an important aspect of my process you know like to use locally sourced sounds and uh yeah just recording stuff sweet and what about uh, so like uh, this is obviously a series of eps on the floor yeah and uh, you have 2 and 3 already uh, lined up in a way Yeah I mean like I have a rough idea of what's going to go on those two EPs the whole EP series is series is about like the club and uh it's influenced by the music that I'm playing in the club so I want to be releasing music that you know other DJs can use as well so that's right. that's kind of the whole idea Cool so I think finally uh what I would now like to know mm-hmm. after uh having deducted uh that you are already doing everything that was part of your vision as an artist which was making music releasing music i think you're releasing uh you've been releasing good music consistently yeah, uh thank you also haven't uh, uh like stuck to one style hmm. yeah and uh, always try to push the envelope uh, in in your own right like uh yeah not not for someone else but for you and for your uh, evolution as an artist exactly so that's great i think and uh, this brings me to this one final question that i want to ask you as yeah. uh, as an artist what do you uh, how do you define success uh defining success is extremely difficult i think cuz like every few months your goals might be changing 
so right. um like for me being successful is like mainly doing what you really want to do you know like you shouldn't be mm-hmm. sucked into like uh all the things that we have around us and be kind of lost uh which i do feel sometimes so like uh getting like real success would be to kind of just keep doing what i like doing uh mm-hmm. and yeah just releasing music and putting out uh things into the world that i'm proud of you know i think that would be success right. in today's day and age for me right i think for you uh what this success means uh to you is freedom uh an artistic freedom to be ability to uh, express yourself uh musically the way you want and yeah uh, that would basically uh be success for you and at, and at some point if you were not able to do that that would be your challenge i think at some point you would eventually find a way to do what you want to do and that again would be your success if i'm not wrong exactly man it's like it's all ups and downs and uh, the industry in india especially is always changing yeah. you know uh, right. so like i i want to carve a space for myself i don't want to kind of go with what what's what's trending and what's in or out like i just want right. to be able to express myself and hopefully people understand you know my end of the story so that's kind of right. like the whole idea just being successful in terms of numbers or metrics is, isn't very meaningful to me and yeah i just want to be able to sustain like making music for as long as i can cuz yeah it's i think that's the most important thing in my life so yeah yeah i'm glad to uh, hear this outlook from you cuz i think it's it's a unique outlook that you have uh, you have created for yourself and uh it's it's great to have something that you believe in thank you so man. yeah i think uh, we are pretty much done for today i i haven't really chatted for this long with you before <laughs> yeah it's pretty much the first time <laughs> yeah so i think it was great it was fun awesome awesome so that was ketan and i in conversation about his journey so far and what he's achieved in the last 5 years as an independent musician i got him to chronicle some important events of his career and this surely shed some light upon how an artist goes about making a mark for himself there was no solid vision in the beginning for ketan when he was jamming with his band until vilas it was purely out of enthusiasm to make music that he began experimenting but doing that consistently led him to a very crucial event which was attending the Red Bull Music Academy workshop which ultimately bolstered his confidence to finally construct a vision which was making music that he released eventually now he's regularly playing club gigs across the country and simultaneously releasing music to support his performances this is certainly an example of a successful independent artist but like he said it's not easy to define success since things are changing rapidly and he's absolutely spot on about that his definition of success leans on not the money he makes but on whether or not he's able to push his own boundaries i find this to be a common trait in all successful artists and even entrepreneurs they just want to be better version of themselves in what they are doing be it business or art or a bit of both 
Ketan's vision has changed over time, not radically, but with fine tunings. He used to play in a band. Now he's a dance music DJ and producer. As a producer, he's putting out all kinds of music, bass, hip hop, techno. All this can't be done overnight and it needs some kind of planning and a strong reasoning. On this episode, I wanted to discuss the importance of vision and Ketan I think was a great case study. If you're a fan of dance music then I'd urge you to check him out. Uh just follow his social media and see when he's playing in your city and go watch him play. Uh if you're a DJ yourself and if you like his music, go support it by purchasing it on Bandcamp. He's just released a fresh new EP and more of that is coming soon. So keep an eye out on that. All the links of his social media channels are mentioned in the podcast description below. From here on, I just want to take this discussion a bit further on my own. I want to pick this conversation up from where I left in the last episode and show you where I'm planning to go from there. I spoke about creating a framework to navigate the music industry, and today you might be wondering why I decided to speak about artistic vision. Why particularly vision? Why is that our first step, and where do we go from there? and the answer is there are two things imperative to an artist's success vision and mission without them an artist would not be able to develop strategic goals and action plans the vision is something you see for yourself after 5 to 10 years whereas the mission is something that states what you do who is it for and how it is done They say your most fertile source of creative energy is a compelling artistic vision. If we create music solely for ourselves, we are unlikely to produce a significant body of work. To become accomplished artists, we need reasons to create, and those reasons should extend beyond personal satisfaction. So, say if we envision uplifting others through music. along with say promoting a new musical style or advancing education in arts our vision becomes the container through which our creativity takes form in the world we'll then produce and market concerts recordings compositions instructional materials and a lot more we'll eventually build a community of fans who resonate with what we stand for we'll partner with agencies that share our goals in tandem that communal energy will add social meaning to what we do fuel our motivation to create and yield income producing opportunities so if the vision is really that important maybe you should write it down this is like an action plan for someone who is just starting out or even someone who has been around in the business for a while it applies to artists as well as non artists in this industry and writing this down forms something called a vision statement it becomes a piece that you can reference at times when you or your team need a need a reminder of why you're doing this or even help you with crucial decisions and ensure that you're staying on your path The process of writing things down is quite a powerful step in manifesting your reality and 
the most powerful ideas are the ones that are actually actionable. Penning an idea can simply help push it forward faster. It becomes a point of reference, a place from which you can shift, pivot, adapt and evolve. Now, where do we go after there's a vision in place? Well, we build a structure, then we generate ideas through brainstorming, leading to development of a strategy. Once we have a strategy in place, we focus on building a team around it. While managing this team, we take action to create opportunities for ourselves and generate revenue. This is basically the big picture and vision was the first step into the big picture. What follows is this. One by one, we add a piece to a structure we are trying to build. The first people to consider are those you are making music with. If you're on your own, that's fine. That's how most of us start. But if you've started a group, you must think about including all or some of them in the structure, depending on their level of commitment. Next, if you're starting out and there is someone fully committed to running the business side for you, then include them in the structure too. The business side includes work like bookkeeping, book account management, sorry, bank account management, accounting and tax and central file management. Further down the road, you need to handle legal agreements. You can handle this on your own in the beginning by writing a contract in plain English that everyone can understand and make sure everyone involved signs it and has a copy. The first agreements you're likely to face are with band members, co-writers and all the engaging collaborators, engineers and producers. Now we can move on and talk about ideas and brainstorming when one or more people focus their energy for a short amount of time in coming up with as many new ideas as possible. It's called brainstorming. Do this with your artistic collaborators and with co-partners like labels, agents and publishers. Feel free to add in random people who care about your musical mission but don't have a specific role. We need a constant flow of new ideas so having brainstorming sessions as often as possible is a good habit. The sooner you can take a concept from an idea into action, the better. But going all out with an idea that's not tested can take you a long way down the wrong road, wasting time and energy. So find a way to test ideas as quickly and cheaply as you can and then put proper and sustained energy into ones that pass the test. This will lead us to strategy development. Our primary plan is to make music and grow our audience. This make music part is your artistic expression and I leave that to you. But the grow your audience part is the key to survival. So for every step in your plan, ask yourself if it's helping you grow your audience. Strategies and plans don't need to be complicated. The more simple, the better. For those starting out, it could be play your first show outside of the comfort zone of your family and friends, or book your first tour outside of your hometown, or record and release your first song. For those further along, it could be make your next album and book your first tour in a new territory, or get one of your songs onto a big TV show or do collaborations with great artists. So along with a strategy in mind, it's your job to find the right people to work with on a daily basis. 
I'm talking about team building through partnerships. Start with people you know and trust. The wrong people can mess with your flow and take you away from your vision. Skills can be learned, but passion and the right attitude need to come hard-coded in each person you choose to add to the team. You can't go alone forever and there's just too much to do for one person, so choosing a team of great people will not only make the whole mission more productive and fun, but also provide solid support for each other when the times get tough. Once you start building a team, management of the team is the next step. Understanding roles and responsibilities is the root of music management. The leader of the band needs to know every job that there is and how to do it so that they can be sure that whomever they delegated a job to is doing it right. So once you've set your vision and intention and you have a strategy to achieve it, you or someone from your team has to be responsible for making sure opportunities are created. As many people as possible in your team need to be responsible for this and it's a daily thing. Show up every day, try something new or something again in a better way. Most things we try will fail, so get used to it, it's a good sign. Just like when you make a mistake in your music and it takes you somewhere you never imagined, mistakes in management can do just the same thing. When you think that you've run out of opportunities to pursue, go back to brainstorming ideas and review your strategy. So with this, it seems we have covered the big picture. In the big picture, there is a vision followed by a structure leading us to ideas and strategies which prompt us to build and manage a team who go hunting for opportunities every day. There's quite a bit of actionable content in here and a lot more is yet to come. Feel free to note some of these things down in a book or on your phones and computers. And with that, I'll call it a wrap for today. Firstly, I want to thank Ketan for taking the time to be here and opening up. I wish him all the best for the future and I'm looking forward to the upcoming new EP, On The Flow Volume 2. Secondly, I hope you learned a few things here today. If you enjoyed this episode, then please let me know what you thought about it. If you have any questions or requests, then please don't hesitate to reach out. Until then, keep working hard, believing in yourself and enjoy the process. I'll see you in the next episode on Meet the Industry soon. Have a lovely day ahead.